Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. Listen, if you're like me, you hate doing admin crap. Number one, because you're not good at it. And number two, because you know it's taking you away from the stuff that actually makes you money. So why are you doing it? Do what I did. Go to worksbee.com right now and let them pair you with a real executive assistant. Once I started working with Cheryl at Worksbee, my income went up 40% in one month and my working hours went from 70 down to 40. It's a game changer. Go to workspeed.com right now, book a call, and tell them Walker sent you. If you do, you'll get two extra hours of service for free as a bonus. So if you're ready to finally stop doing the stuff you hate and focus on the stuff that makes you money, go to workspeed.com right now. That's W-O-R-X-B-E-E dot C-O-M. Tell them Walker sent you, and you'll get those two free hours. Welcome to the OBS Sales School Podcast. I'm your host, Walker McKay. Today, God is my guest, Chris Gannon. Chris is a badass. Chris has started a, um, a talent agency. Let me read you what he gave me. He said he is the founder at Captivate Talent, which is a recruiting firm that focuses on um, placing top revenue performers at growth stage tech companies. They not only help companies hire, but also retain top talent. And I met Chris, Chris, he was recommended to me um, by another buddy of mine. And the guy said, Chris is the real deal in recruiting. He's the best that this other guy knows. So um, welcome to the show, Chris. I'm so glad you're here with us. Walker, thanks so much for having me. And now I guess I have to live, live up to being the best. Yeah. Now, <laughs> and you know, we really can't tell your recruiting skills at this point, but we can tell if you're funny or not. So please don't screw this up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, take a couple of minutes, take two minutes and tell me how you got to be the, you know, what happened to get you to the place where you're the founder of, um, of Captive, Captivate Talent? Well, I, I had a, a very brief stint in direct sales out of school. I, I sold yellow pages um, around the time the internet was coming around. So that, that was a very short stint. Um, and then I, like most people, um, fell into recruiting. Uh, I went for an interview. Somebody sat across from the table and said, would you be, would you be interested in recruiting? And I said, tell me about it. And they said, it's like sales. And I said, good, I'm great at sales. All nine months of experience that I have makes me like the best salesperson I know. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I, I spent, uh, the better part of my twenties at a large recruiting firm, learned, you know, some good things, learned some bad things, um, got the itch, uh, like most millennials and decided that I wanted to go try the startup world and yeah. became head of talent at a series B startup. Um, that what's was, a series just, just so we can talk, what is a series B startup? What does that mean? Ser- series B. So they, they hopefully have a product by that point. They're hitting like growth velocity. So they're scaling. So Somebody thought it was a good, good idea to give me the shot to run their recruiting department, um, it. and it it somehow worked. Uh, we scaled from about sixty to two hundred and twenty people wow. by the time I left, uh, and it was high velocity. It was really cool. And then I tried it again at a, another bigger startup globally, and it was really fun. And I got to fly around to Europe and do all those wow. fun things, um, but realized I missed the client engagement 
and saw that there was a big problem in the market with these early stage startup companies having no idea how to acquire talent. Right. So I started Captivate Talent in 2017. So what was it, um, what were you selling in those first two startups? What were you, what were you recruiting people to sell? Uh, one was a SMB marketing solution. It was a like CRM for small businesses. Um, yep. Pretty cool product. And then the next one was an employee engagement solution. Um, what does that mean? Was, I've heard that term dropped a bunch. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was a HR software, which usually sat with HR and, you know, make sure your employees are taken care of. They feel happy. You have a pulse on um, what they're doing. Um, it was a it was a really amazing opportunity because not only what their software was doing was a pretty good product out there, but the, the CEO and founder taught some really good lessons about how he ran the company with empathy wow. and being human, which is a value that I stole from him. Yep. Um, yep. And I took a lot of that. Not only do I run my company that way, but that's how we do business with a lot of our clients, all of our clients, you, I should say. Do you still stay in touch with your with the, with that guy? I do. I, I I asked them when we were creating our values for Captivate Talent. I said, "Am I allowed to steal one of your values?" And he wrote back and he said, "All good artists get their inspiration from somewhere. Happy to give it to you." It was really cool. Right. And that a lot to me. And I noticed that you've got four values on your website. One of them is be human. Second was like, be okay with being transparent or being with transparency, right? Trust and transparency. Yeah. Thank That's you. important in recruiting. It is. What's the third one and the fourth one? Uh, work hard. Yep. One of, oh, do I know all my, be human, trust and transparency, work hard and have fun. Have fun. I love that. I had to think the, the, the be human one's like so ingrained in my head. The other three, honestly. So what does that oh, mean to you? Because I hear that a lot too, as a buzzword, it's one of my values in my company, what we're teaching people to do, but what does be human mean to you? You know, I, I fundamentally believe that in life, there's three decisions that almost all of us as humans will have to make. And it's, they impact us every day. Um, yeah. It's who our partner is gonna be, because uh, that definitely impacts your life every day. Yes. Uh, where, where you're gonna live, um, and then where you're gonna work. Yep. Uh, and those things, if any one of those things are out of whack, you know, it, it's uh, a pretty taxing thing on somebody's life. So we take a human approach to recruiting where there's places out there, like where I was taught, it was a candidate is how you make your money. It's a transaction. A client is who pays you money. That's how, that was the mentality. And, you know, after I worked for that employee engagement company, I was like, oh, I think I got it wrong. In all my wisdom and all my years at 32, I think it was, um, I, th I think I don't have it all figured out because if, if you treat people like this, they're, they're going to feel like they're being treated like this. And this is not the type of business it is. Like you are screwing with somebody's life every day and hopefully you're not screwing with it, but you can impact right. somebody's life every day. Yeah. So if you're not treating people like humans, it's not good. And so what that means, I'm hearing you say, is that you treat them with respect. Um, you treat them, you realize that this is not just a transaction. It's a much longer term thing, right? That they've got, um, yep. that you're impacting their life, right? What else is being human made? You have to think about like what might be right for the P&L of a company might not be right for yeah. your client and it might not be right for your candidate. So you, you can't think with the mindset of a commission check or the P&L for right. your company. Um, it's the wrong way to, to, to do business. And externally, like uh, it's the same thing 
internally. Like if you take care of people and you treat them like humans, the rest of it will kind of sort itself out a bit. And it might not be the most profitable thing in that moment, but the long-term returns on it usually are better. Or yeah, pay I talk to people dividends. about that. Talk people about that all the time. About play the long game, right? You can you can try and force something now, and make a couple of pennies, but if you're playing your if you're playing it right and you look at the long term, there's a whole lot more there if you look at the way things can happen. That's what I never got about recruiting, and that's why I think recruiting as an industry has a bad stigma um, about it because there are a lot of people in it that play the short game. Yeah, um, tournament burnout. They don't give a shit, right? Give me the fee and move on. Yep. So what does trust and transparency mean? Trust and transparency. So that's another fundamental issue um, with recruiting. Um, you know, you never kind of know you're on the phone with that recruiter. You never kind of know what they're, what they're doing, what they're thinking, yeah. um, who the client is, what the job is, what the salary is. Um, you know, oh, it'll pay you a lot of money. Don't worry about it. We talk yeah, about, we're really honest and open um, about salary, like something like compensation. Um, what are you looking for? We want to know because we want to tell a client first thing, this is what this person's targeting. And then we want to manage that all the way through the process. Just so when you get to the end, it doesn't turn into some bullshit negotiation over $5,000. And somebody walks in the door with a bad taste in their mouth. So, right. or, or somebody has the idea that they're going to make, this is a hundred thousand dollar job and end up the final offer comes out at 78 and they've just wasted everybody's fucking time. Yeah. Walker, I, I hate negotiating. I'm, I'm not great. It, it just makes me uncomfortable, to be honest. Yeah. And I run a recruiting business. So Mike, how can I get this negotiation piece out of it? And it's just, yeah. you just, you're just honest and upfront with people. It's amazing. Yeah. It's funny. There's another guy that I interviewed a couple of months ago and his uh, Capone, Todd Capone, and he talks about the transparency sale. Do you know Todd? No, I don't. He's great. He has, um, he has his idea with negotiation is tell people up front what your non-negotiables are. I can only pay yep. you this much money and this is what I have to have. Almost everything else is on the table. How do we work this thing out? And I think that's also a very honest and fair, transparent way to do it. Well, we, we talk to candidates all the time that are interviewing in internal processes and you're like, oh, what's the job pay there? Like, I don't know. Well, yeah. on my third round interview, I have no idea. Oh, well, what are benefits like? like I have no idea. Those things should be talked about like first, first interview, if things right. are going well. You should just talk about that stuff ahead of time. Waste a lot, of the, of, a lot of time. One of the things that you really focused with on your website and your materials, and you and I talked about before, was you really focused on culture and the importance of culture in a company. Can you expostulate on that and sound on that a little bit? Not only for your own company, but for the places where you're placing people. I, I think every company, culture turned into such a hot word. Um, like It was like, oh, we have culture. And you're like, why? It's like, oh, we have a ping pong table. <laughs> snacks we got and snacks free snacks free snacks and a ping pong table and that 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 got to the point where you might as well just said get a bathroom too like it was like all right cool where's the ping pong table um culture is something that i ask every one of our companies especially the earlier ones to to evaluate like what is your culture are you a nine to five company are you always on are you hey we shut down at four o'clock on a friday nobody is on slack till monday morning like just Whatever it is, it's fine, but you have to define it. And then you have to understand when you hire people, who those people are that you're bringing into your organization. Because if you get it wrong and you hire somebody based on just their skill set and they're a, cult, they're a bad culture fit, they're going to turn into a cancer. Yeah. If you're just trying to match culture, 
you're fine. It's okay. But you really should be looking to hire people that are adding value to your culture. So how does that happen? That's, that's a fine. cool thing to say. How, if my clients are listening, right, and they're owning, they're owning companies, they're trying to hire people. How in the world do we say, I want, I want our, you need to hire someone that can enhance your culture. What the fuck is that? You got to sit down with your team and you got to say, what's our culture? And you got to have a really honest conversation. Maybe you have a few beers before you say hey, you have that conversation, but you have to define what your culture is. Like, do you, do you have values on the wall? That, they might be nice, but like, right. do you live by them? Um, like, you know, are you like, is be human nice to say and put on your website, but are you actually, do you treat your company internally like this? Does the top down leadership act that way? Do um, your consultants on the desk treat candidates that way? Or is it just something that you say? So you have to really be honest with yourself and define what your culture is. And it's okay. Culture evolves too. Sure. Somebody told me that culture is what is the things that the leadership doesn't stop. The things that the leaders don't put their foot down against. How would you define, how, how does it work? How does culture really settle in a company? The things that leadership doesn't stop. Huh. In other words, if there were um, uh, something bad that happens, so if somebody's cheating or lying in the company, they're lying to their candidates or whatever else, and the president, and the president finds out, he doesn't say, you're out of here, you freaking stop that. Then, then if something that's allowed to continue on becomes part of your culture automatically, was their statement? Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. How would you cover that? No, I, I actually, I actually agree with that. Like, if you if you let things manifest like that, that that becomes who you are, and that becomes your identity as a company. If 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 I as a leader let that happen in my company, that's who we are. It's a representation yeah. of me. It's a representation of that person, and it's a representation of the brand behind them. So if somebody in their company right now, if they recognize they have a toxic culture, I know we're moving away from recruiting some, but if they have a, it's all a right. toxic culture, what, what is that? What should be, if, the, if an owner recognizes, shit, we've got a toxic culture, what's the first thing they should do to fix that other than fire themselves? Look in the mirror. Yeah. If, look, if there have been ups and downs over the last few years for us as a company with culture, it's changed, it's evolved, players have changed a little bit. Um, you've had, had to look in the mirror and sometimes you have to have tough conversations with yourself. Like, hey, is this what I really want to be waking up to? This is my show. Like, do I want to be waking up to this every day? I'm running so what's something you What's something you had to challenge yourself on? When you looked in the mirror last time, what was it you had to face? I've had to do, I've done things, I put, insert processes when I don't want them. I don't want to deal with processes. I've done this for 15 years. I don't need processes. I can re remember everything in my head. But to be a better company, I had to hire a sourcing and operations manager to make sure everyone's getting policed with processes. And we're doing things the correct way because that needs to be part of who we are as a company. We need to have our things, everything tight. So you have to sometimes do things that you might not want to do, but you have to realize they're better for the company. And it's bigger than you. And that's the point. It's not just you, right? You have a company, you have a responsibility to all those folks. I think that's where a lot of people don't get it sometimes though, too. There's, there's lots of these like pseudo like CEOs of like, what are they a CEO of? And they, you have to realize that something is, if you're doing it the right way, you're building something bigger than you. Yeah. Even if you do it the wrong way, you're building something bigger than you. It's just, do you recognize it? And what is that thing? And there might be things that you, you don't want to do sometimes, but you have to lead by example. 
it's just like it's 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 just like when you you know if you if you're growing up and you watch your parents do something you're probably going to mimic it it's it's the same thing and not calling employees children by any means but we we look at leadership and we mimic what they do so if they do something right and they do it the right way every time you're going to hold yourself accountable yeah. and if if that isn't happening you're probably hiring the wrong people so one of the things, I read one of the interviews that you had before, um, and what it talked about, you said, um, what does it mean when one hires the right candidate? Or somebody asked you, what is, what is the right candidate for the job? What, what does that mean to you if somebody's the right candidate? So culture is the first thing, but there's a job fit component to that. Um, and then there's a growth component to that. Um, which I think a lot of people miss out on when they go to hire for a job. They hire for the right now, not the tomorrow. Um, but all three of those things need to align. And if any one of them's off, if you forget to do any one of them in the process, you can have a lot of bad outcomes that could happen. You can get away with it. You can get lucky. But, you know, you hire somebody for job fit and you forget about culture. You know, you get that toxic employee sometimes. You might not. You might get lucky. Um, you hire somebody for a job today, but not tomorrow, you get somebody that's never going to elevate. And you might have to just keep paying them more money and giving them raises for the next level that they can't do. So Peter, Peter principal. So, so, so job fit, and I, this sounds a stupid question. What does job fit mean? Yeah. Like what's the job? Like what are, what are the requirements? And that, that actually is overlooked sometimes because people, especially in these earlier stage companies, they, they Frankenstein a job description together. Right. They'll take like three different things. They're like, we need a developer that can go sell and carry a quota. And can they be creative too and help us with marketing? And you're like, what? And by the way, you're in charge of HR. <laughs> we'll pay you 16 bucks an hour and we'll give you some options. <laughs> so they, they Frankenstein these job descriptions. And we have so many dumb terms as recruiters. We call them purple squirrels or unicorns or... I think purple cow is even one of them out there now, but they're, they're people that don't exist or they might exist, but there's like one of them out there and it's such a rare type of profile. So when you, you look at a job opening, you have to actually sit down and list out what are all the things we need? Okay, if we list out all these things, does this actually exist at other companies? Like, is this a real job or are we trying to make up a job? Like, you know, sometimes you get this job like a chief of staff. And I think on purpose by design, it's such a BS job description because yes. it means so many different things. It's a catch-all job. Yep. And then you end up running around and looking for this individual that doesn't exist or this founder has this idea of this person in their mind and it's impossible to hire for. How do you, um, so have, job. How do you tell, because clearly you work with a lot of founders of companies that come to you and they're full of, piss and vinegar for lack of a better word they're excited about their idea they're ready we just want to hire a bunch of people to do this but you recognize they're being unreasonable in what they're looking for and how do you how do you break that to somebody because basically you're telling their dream sucks in part of ways yeah yeah i think if you're if you you establish like the the honesty and the transparency off the bat in the relationship and you just you tell people, you, you give them a certain sense of comfortability that you've been in this space. You're not just like some yeah. rando recruiter that was, you know, yeah. working on a job with Johnson and Johnson yesterday. And now right. there's this cool technology company that somebody introduced you to and you don't know about it. But 
you know, you could sit down with a founder and be like, look, the reality is, is your, your idea is great. Your company's cool, but like, no one knows who the hell you are. You're 13 people in a room with like a $2 million check that somebody just gave you with a product that almost works. Like you can't recruit somebody at a Google. They're probably right. not going to leave. And if you hire somebody at a Google, I'd be really concerned of like, what's going on. Right. So, um, and they're probably, not, what do you think about one of the things, so you often recruit salespeople, right? I mean, that's part of what you're doing, right? Is actual salespeople? Yeah. Sales, marketing, customer success, anything really in the go-to-market side. How, when you're talking to, because a lot of my guys that were, were listening to this show, guys and gals listening to the show are, you know, either they're salespeople or they're recruiting and hiring salespeople. How do you, how can you tell from an interview who a good salesperson is versus not? How do you, how do you begin to screen those things? Talk to a couple hundred of them a year. That, that helps. Yep. Uh, yeah, it does. So the, it's kind of, uh, you, you know, people don't, I don't think people inherently like why, but as salespeople, we all embellish a we little bit puffery. from time to time. Puff, puffery. Yeah, puff it up. Uh, but I, the devil's in the details, actually. Um, so the more in tune to details that a salesperson is, like what they've done, what they've accomplished, usually the better they are. Okay. Um, you know, if you're drilling down into somebody's numbers and they can give you what they earned, what they hit from a revenue target, what their quota attainment was, what they hit Q4 of fiscal year 2019 off the top of their head, you know that person's probably either rehearsed that a hundred times because they've been on a hundred interviews or that's what they've hit. And yeah. they're not trying to bullshit it in any way. You know, if somebody's saying I hit 113% of goal and quota attainment last year, that's much different of an answer for us than somebody who's like, yeah, I hit my quota last year. Yeah. I blew it out of the water. What, what's that right. mean? Um, yeah. Also, you know, how well somebody, you, you know, you just look at track records too. You know, we all have like the perception of the jumpy salesperson. You know, if we see nine months, nine months, 12 months, 13 months in somebody's resume, you start to ask questions and you dig into that. There are people that have, especially in the startup world, that have had some unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. You know, yep. you go to one yep. company, they lose their funding, the product never worked, the CEO is a psychopath. Yeah, stuff happens. But you start to look for patterns and you recognize those patterns um, when you talk to people. So it's, it's a lot of listening and asking the right questions. Um, it's a lot of experience, so. Yeah. So what do you, I, I interviewed a guy a couple of days ago and he said that he, um, when he looks at a resume, he said if somebody's been in the same sales job for 10 years, he sees that as a negative. Could you imagine that? Not as, it's not as, yeah, it is starting to be things where if somebody sits at a company for too long, you're, like, well, you're clearly not ambitious or something's missing here. You could, uh... but I, I don't, so I don't always agree with that because I say you, you do have to drill down. You know, there might be somebody that sits out one of these companies and they're, they hit blow out their quota every year. They know how to sell it. They have a good Rolodex and they're making four or 500 K every year. Yeah. Why would, why would you leave? Got my golf clubs in the trunk of the car. I got a company credit card for expenses. Why yeah. the hell would I screw that up? Why so, would you leave? So devil's in the do, details. Do you find, um, cause you know, do you care if somebody is working now and you've got to pick them out of some, pick them out of a company versus somebody that has is in between jobs. Do you have any kind of discrimination there? So there is a perception that it's easier to find a job when you have a job. Um, 
but I also have seen that work when somebody is so frustrated or, you know, they're in such a bad position at their current job, they're running away from something, not running yep. towards something. So I've seen yep. that become almost as bad as somebody who's not in a job. Yep. Um, you know, there, there is a certain sense where you, you might lose a little bit of negotiation power um, from a comp perspective if you're not in a role. Yeah. Um, but in a job market like today, it's, it's a very, very candidate-driven market. Um, there are more jobs out there than there are qualified candidates for them. Yeah. So that necessarily won't impact somebody as much as it would have a year ago. Right. And um, so pandemic, how did it impact your business? We, we didn't have any. You didn't have any business? Nope. There's no business or no impact? We, we went, <laughs> there was no business. <laughs> it's definitely an impact. Uh, 2020 was supposed to be like the year. It was our third year in business. Um, things were really starting to hit a groove for us. Um, February 2020 was a solid month. We just finished the 2019 really, really well. And then March it was like the lights got shut off. It wasn't, it wasn't even a slowdown. It was like shut off. Hard, hard pause across the board on hiring. Almost You got everyone. calls. The CEOs over called you and said, we don't know if we're going to survive this or not. Stop whatever you're doing. We're not doing it anymore. Within, within a week and a half, there was, one, there was one day where it was four phone calls and emails of just nope, 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 one after another. And it felt like it was just like, hey, can you catch up for five minutes? And it was like that, that meeting that gets put in your calendar. You're like, you got five minutes to catch up at 4.30 on a Friday. Uh, oh, I know what that looks like. Uh, um, yeah, it stopped. Business so, stopped. And so how long did it stop? A couple months. Um, it took a couple months, a good couple months to pick back up. Um, March, April, May were basically mulligans. Goose eggs, right? Yeah, yeah goose eggs out there. So what were you um, doing during that time? I mean, so, I mean, you had employees on your payroll. So clearly you're, you're, you know, you're tightened up. Yeah. What were well, you, what'd you tell them to do during that time? I drank a lot. I drank a lot more. Some of them <laughs> definitely had a few more drinks. Um, and I, I cooked a lot more. I, I got to spend it with my, my family and at my parents. So we, there was a little fun and silver lining in there, but uh, from a business perspective, we had to get creative. Um, it was almost like the scenario when you're at, like I was a camp counselor back early in the day and there were like days where the power would go out and it'd be raining. <laughs> and you're like sitting there and you're like, all right, I gotta be creative. What the hell do we do? Like <laughs> we have to like think of activities. Um, we're getting so a ping pong table. <laughs> I started thinking of activities cause it wasn't only, you know, I had to figure out something like I wanted to keep my employees. I didn't want to fire anyone. I didn't think it was the right thing to lay people off. There were a lot of, other companies in our industry that made a quick reaction and just cut 30, 40, 50% of their workforce or fur furloughed them right away. Yep. And I felt like, I honestly felt indebted to my employees that I couldn't just like the second things got hard, just turn around and be like, you're gone. Um, so we made the decision to keep everyone. And then I was like, let's get creative. Let's, let's try to have fun with this. We had contests. We, we got really active on social. We made some videos like zoom blooper videos. Um, that's pretty awesome. You know, we, we, we started an event series and started hosting events um, with sales leaders. Um, so we just got, we just had to have fun. We had to get creative and we had to pray that it wasn't going to last much longer than it did. And so you had, you were basically, you were paying payroll out of your own pocket. 
Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and what kind of, you know, it's funny, I, I was reading something in June or July and it said, you will re you'll be remembered as a leader for how you behave during this time, All right? That's what will, people will remember is how you behave during the pandemic. And it sounds to me like you did um, everything possible to, to, again, to reinforce the culture of being human, right? And to be as um, transparent as possible. And also your other two, um, your other two things, which we screwed up before. One of them was stay positive I and them up. never yes. give up. Screwed um, up my own values. That's what kind of Friday has been. <laughs> That's just bullshit okay. you put on the wall. I'll never read them again anyway. Stay <laughs> positive and never give up. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to share with you a couple of things I've learned today. I, I tell you what, Chris, I'm super impressed and, and have been the several times I've talked to you, how, how real you are, how there is very little um, puffery, ego, no bullshit, which I obviously very much admire, but the way you carry yourself and obviously your culture grows from that, comes from the leader who's doing that. So I like what you said. There were three things, major things, decisions that will majorly impact your life, who your partner is, where you live and where you work. Um, and if any one of those things is out of bound, is out of, out of whack, it's really going to script your life. Um, and then I also um, like the way you are extremely transparent with people about what the job's going to be like, how much it's going to pay, what's going to be the part that's probably you're not going to like so much, right? Here's the hard, this is a hard job that you're, and you didn't use those exact words, but that you straight up people because you put somebody in a job and they don't do well there. What the fuck have you really done? You hadn't, you've hurt the company, you've hurt the candidate, you've hurt your own reputation. You kill the relationship. You kill the relationship. Um, it's awesome. Um, Chris, that's great. It's really, uh, I love that. No BS sales team. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I hope you've learned some things about, you know, from founder Chris Gannon about culture and relationship and recruiting and hiring. Um, they've got a hell of a model. Chris, how would people find you um, if they wanted to talk to you or use your services? So websites, captivatetalent.com. I got somebody on my team that's put a lot of work in it. So I hope you can go there and check it out. It's good. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Chris, I think it's at Christopher Gannon on LinkedIn. Yeah, Christopher I think it's Christopher Gannon. Gannon. Yep. On LinkedIn. Um, those are the two best ways to get it at me. It's awesome. So guys, reach out to Chris. He's very, as you can tell, very friendly, very approachable. Um, I can imagine easy to work with. No BS sales team. Thank you for being here. If you've learned something today, please email me, share with me. Even better, post a link on social media that you listen to the podcast and what you learned. Let's get more people listening. It's amazing the numbers this month. We're up like 40% from last month this time. So growth is really happening. It's super cool. Business is good too. If you are struggling with your sales team or you yourself are saying, oh my God, I've got to get better at sales. Super important. Reach out to me, email walker at walkermckay.com. Let's have a conversation. Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can't, but let's talk about it. If I can't help, maybe I can send you the right direction. Chris Gannon, thank you for being on the show. You're the man. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Walker, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.